Hello, Blenders, and welcome to a very special pre-Thanksgiving episode of Real Blend, a podcast that always has its hands between two pillows. And if Jake doesn't get that reference, he has to move out of Chicago. Planes, trains, and automobiles, baby. Thank but you very much. we both know those are not pillows. <laughs> Thank you very much. That is my tradition, or it used to be, actually. I'm not doing it this year. But on Wednesday, see, we traditionally don't travel for Thanksgiving. So the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, I sit at home... And I drink rum and coke, and I watch the Weather Channel as they do check-ins to all the airports about the horrific times that people are oh having. Oh my as god, they try you're like home. eighty. <laughs> <laughs> what, think about what did you just say? Yeah, I no, sit at it's home true. And I watch the Weather Channel, right? While I drink my rum and coke, and I uh, take glee in the fact that people are suffering as they try to get home for the Thanksgiving holiday. Oh, the holidays! It brings out the best in us. What a great opportunity! while all of you are traveling home to hang out with family and catch up on past episodes of the show. We have 45 of them now. This is episode number 45. Number 50 is fast approaching, and that means we have some really cool things planned. I hope so. Gabe, we have to side chat about that, because I need you to come up with some really cool things. Yeah. Actually, Jake pitched something really fun that we're going to get to eventually, but not yet. First, we have to do episode number 45. And first, I have to introduce my co-hosts of Real Blend, as always, uh, first off, my name is Sean O'Connell, Managing Director here at Cinema Blend. Hopefully you're watching us on the Facebook page as you're preparing to head out for the Thanksgiving holiday. If you're downloading us later, you will uh, next hear the voice of Jake Hamilton, entertainment reporter for Fox 32 in Chicago. Hello, Jake. Hello, Jonathan. How are How, you, sir? I'm well, sir. And we would be incomplete without the third voice, Kevin McCarthy, the entertainment reporter of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C., sporting an outstanding Ghostbuster shirt today. That is a great shirt. Yeah. H&M is like my favorite new place, and they did not pay me to say that. I just go there all the time, and they have like the crazy, they have the most random movie stuff. Like they have this, they have a Nightmare on Elm Street shirt. I'm like, what's going on here? How do they choose what movies they're going to be putting on shirts and pants and stuff? Is that like a hot topic for adults? No, H and M is like a like a like a like a clothing store that I, you can get suits and I mean Jake knows what H&M you don't know you don't know what H and M is I don't know what H and M is dude H and M is like yeah. a very like that's it's our it's our store Hamilton and McCarthy I shop yeah, exactly. at Sears yeah wait it, Hamilton and McCarthy that is <laughs> that's actually great yeah that's actually pretty good. Honestly, they this have a segment like, actually sponsored by H&M. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, uh, Thanksgiving plans. So we're, we are recording this early so that everybody can sort of listen to it in their cars and airplanes as they're getting home. Um, are you guys getting out of town? What are you guys doing? Are you you're traveling? You I got to work, local? brother. You're working? Some of us got to work around People here. don't realize that about holidays is that when you're in the media, you quite often have to work on on the days of because this content that you're using to escape your families yeah. <laughs> has to has that's to produce to itself. No. Yeah, yeah, and that's what it's we're not here bad, for. Though. I, I actually usually volunteer to work on Thanksgivings because it one is a very quick show. You just do the morning show and you go home, and then uh, I live fairly close to the station, so it's easier for me to do the show and then go home as opposed to someone that has a family that maybe lives a little bit further outside of Chicago. I like to think I'm doing them a favor, and then I take off uh, Christmas. Nice, BDK. What about you? I'm doing uh, a couple different things. So Lauren's father lives in Dunkirk, Maryland. So we're doing. Um, 
which I, I, I know you guys were joking about earlier. I mean, my father-in-law actually does live in Dunkirk, Maryland. Wait, and just uh, to peel back the curtain. told us this. Yeah, I want to peel back the curtain just for one second because Kevin casually mentions that he has family that lives in Dunkirk, Maryland and makes no big deal about it. Even though from the day we've started this podcast, he ends it by screaming Dunkirk as loud as he can. And there's a sign for Dunkirk, Maryland on the highway. And if you know anything about Kevin, if you followed his social channels at all, he loves taking pictures of himself in movie-specific <laughs> locations, but has never taken the time to get yeah, a, but a picture. That with would be like but me casually dropping that my sister lived in Tom Hanks, Texas, and just yeah. just as if it meant nothing to me. First of all, Dunkirk, Maryland is not where Dunkirk took place. I mean, Dunkirk, no, but Maryland still, is, is, is the name. Um, but I will say this: I mean, and and Didn't Nolan honesty, shoot there though. Nolan did not shoot there. <laughs> he stayed at my father-in-law's house during production. Um, no, he. Uh, no, what's funny is I when I met my wife uh, and I went to visit her father for the first time. Dunkirk was just a city to me, like or a place he lived in Maryland. And mm-hmm. speaking to my ignorance, I didn't know much about the Dunkirk story that Nolan tells in Dunkirk. So um, when Dunkirk came out, it was a kind of it was a very strange thing talking about that movie, considering for the past. Three or four years prior to the movie coming out, Dunkirk was my second home where my father-in-law lives. So that's where we're going on on, uh, Wednesday and Thursday. Awesome. Very nice. Um, I want to uh, give thanks for new reviews this week, but but we have none. So, uh, (laughs) So no new reviews this week, which means that no one is thankful for us. But that means we have more time for news. Um, So let's dive into some of the more exciting things that happened. For people who don't know, so Thanksgiving weekend... It's weird. Like, it used to be this weekend when all of these blockbuster titles would come out. It was a huge holiday weekend. Uh, Everybody sort of goes to the theaters after they've had their turkey dinner and they get together as big families and go. But now, every weekend is a huge franchise week. There's something coming out every single weekend. So the Thanksgiving frame, while we have some really exciting things to get to and talk about, uh, and we will sort of run through reviews for all the big things that are coming to theaters, uh, it's not a lot of news. Like, it kind of slowed down. The industry sort of ground to a halt. Kevin has a, a topic he wants to bring up. Well, I saw something on my Twitter or my Instagram feed right before we log on to the show, and maybe this is something that you guys know about. I don't know much about it. So did you see Margot Robbie's Instagram post? No. Oh. No. So she just posted her script for Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of the One Harley Quinn, and then she kissed the script with her lipstick and then post- posted it on her Instagram. Nice. I don't know if that like is something that specifically is that is that this is that I the guess, standalone I guess Harley that Quinn is now movie? yeah that is the standalone Harley Quinn movie that is that is cast um, a number of different people for it in the roles of the Birds of Prey. Um, so is she I, Harley Quinn in the movie? She's going to be Harley Quinn, but this is not one that has Jared Leto in it. Um, Jared Leto, who's getting ready to shoot Morbius, which is going to be part of the Venom universe, apparently did a face shaving video the other day on his Instagram. Did you guys happen to watch that? No. I did not. Wow, your, no. your lives are incomplete until you've seen Jared Leto shave his face on Instagram. I'm just so lost in what DC's doing. So is so is so is Birds of Prey I think DC? So, so is DC. Yeah, but is, but is so. By the way, I will I will say this: every image that comes out of Joaquin Phoenix gets me more excited. Sold. That so that sold. is going to be. Oh, I think that's going to be a. Heck of a performance. Okay, so let me hold on. First, I want to do your Birds of Prey thing, but then remind me that I have this Joker theory that uh, was floated to me that oh, I want to yeah. I want to post to you guys. Um, Birds of Prey is going to be a Suicide Squad spinoff. It's going to include Margot Robbie, um, but it's going to introduce a bunch of new characters that will exist in that universe. One of them being a Batgirl, 
Uh, one of them being, I forget the other names of the characters. I'm just not that familiar with it. But who's the girl from um, Cloverfield? Is, 13 is Batgirl Clo- played by Ru- or Ruby 10 Rose? Cloverfield Lane. No, she's on the TV. She's on the TV series. Ruby Rose isn't a movie? No, that one's on TV. That's part of the error. That's CW. There's too much going on. I know, right? There's too much going on. I'm so confused. So I guess that's the official title of the Margot Robbie one. I had no idea. That's what she just posted. I mean, the weird thing about the post, if you look at it, is Birds of Prey is the the physical title. It's just underlined. Mm -hmm. And then there's a handwritten note underneath it with an arrow that says, and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. So I don't know, but, a, but is that something that's supposed to be like sort of implied that like something that she wrote is something that Harley Quinn would write? Like, oh, like it's also about in the same way that remember how Ledger's Joker like wrote yeah. all over the Batman stuff. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, it's it's pro- I'm sure it's probably called Birds of Prey. Birds I can imagine Prey. they're going to add that subtitle to it. Well, if you look at the note specifically, you can see, and people who are listening to us can look this up on Mario Robbie's Instagram later on. Um, it seems like like there's a bunch of different doodles and writings all over it, not just the extra writing there. And then, I don't know who Christina Hodson is. Is that the she, director? She's the um, screenwriter. She, she's okay. writing the screenplay. She wrote and Bumblebee what, what, too, Oh, okay, 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 okay. Is she, is she, what else has she done besides that? Is she well-known? Um, I'm not sure what she did before Bumblebee. I thought okay. she did one other Those thing. two big movies, though, so yeah, well, she's huge like, projects. doing pretty well. Yeah. So that one comes out February of 2020. Um, 2019 is is uh, Shazam and the I'm Joaquin... Joker one, yeah, and then later this year is Aquaman, obviously, and then in 2020 it's Birds of Prey, and then they pushed Wonder Woman back. By so, the way, Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix's movie opens next year. Next year, next cool. October. Cool. Um, I can say out loud, I have seen Aquaman. <gasps> Do you guys have any questions about it? I, I was water? just wondering if they gave you permission to come aboard when you went to the when you walked into the screening. <laughs> you got to say it a certain way, though. You got to say. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Permission to come aboard. <laughs> no, not uh, as Bradley Cooper in A Star is Born as Jason Momoa. Oh, sorry. Momoa. Sorry. It's one octave lower. <clears throat> no, I can't do it again. Um, here's what I can tell you. I have seen Aquaman. <laughs> That's all I'm allowed to tell you. You know, what I'm wondering, is literally if, if I'm Warner Brothers, and I would reach out to, like, every water company, like Dasani and Deer Park, mm-hmm. and, like, you know, and... Get Aquaman like like I, like on a bottle. I feel like I'm doing a bunch of sponsorships today, but I'm not. But my Dasani, my Dasani bottle of water here, which I love by the way, it's <laughs> amazing. Um, they could put Aquaman right here. Yeah, like okay. I feel like that that would be like that would be like a no that would be like the easiest promotion ever. Just drop it on every, like a you could, Aquafina. Could Maybe the guys one. behind Ralph breaks the internet would have that idea in terms of product placement. <laughs> oh, they're, they're pretty subtle about it. Um, oh, the Joaquin Phoenix Joker. Okay, so I don't watch Gotham. Which apparently is you know show on on Fox and it's the early days of Bruce Wayne and they're doing something with the Joker mythology in that show where the the character who you think has been the Joker this whole time has not been the Joker right correct and so one of our guys on staff Adam Holmes is writing a piece that's basically speculating if Joaquin Phoenix is not actually playing the Joker right like he's just a Joker that might in in time inspire. Uh, the person who's, which would explain why Bruce Wayne is a kid in the Joaquin Phoenix um, movie, and that you know there's never going to be like a traditional Joker, which me, to me makes a bit of sense. So I don't know, it could play out that way. I mean, I, listen, I every day I get more excited about that movie, and I, and like it's interesting because you see there were some photos that were released. I think it was yesterday, or, or you know, people were taking photos on the set. His full makeup looks unbelievable. I'm it like does. really. 
I mean, I think Todd Phillips is a great filmmaker. I'm very excited about what he. I, I, people can say that we're great. I think he's great. I think he's what he does is with comedies has been very well over the years. So, and I also like War Dogs. I think he's a solid filmmaker. So we'll see what happens. He also produced Stars Born, which, by the way, I rewatched last night, and it's just unbelievable. I just, I just sat on my couch during when she comes out on stage and does Shallow for the first time. I just continue crying every time I watch that scene. I don't know what it is, but it just hits me every uh, time. I, I got the screener. I'm going to rewatch it. I'm going to rewatch it tonight. It held up okay at home? I mean, to me, oh. it seems like such a big screen movie. Well, the thing is, it's, it, it's funny because I remember um, I remember seeing it in the big screen. It was amazing, but then you pump the sound up at home. And, and, and last week, I, here's the thing. Last week, I said this on our show. I'm always going to advocate movie theaters for the experience, but... Um, I had a, that very eye-opening experience I had with the with the actress who played the lead in Roma, talking about where she lives and and, and how her community doesn't have a movie theater within three hours of her house. Sure. Um, and so it just gave me. It, it, I almost kind of felt like I don't. I don't ever want to come off as like entitled or because I'm just very lucky to be in an area where I have multiple movie theaters. So. Um, I just want to step back sometimes and go, okay, I am lucky. I have access to theaters. Not everybody does. Um, but Stars Born, if you can see it in a theater, go. It's amazing. Um, and Roma, same thing. Which, by the way, Roma opens up tomorrow in select theaters. Oh, my gosh. In the Here country. It it's happening. Yeah. yeah. This is Yay. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I, I mean, that's great. I, I have to figure out where it's opening because I know it's opening in select theaters somewhere. Well, uh, I think I, New York. But This is a weird time, too, with Netflix because, like, the other – I was reading something about the Coen Brothers movie, um, Buster Scruggs. Which I still haven't the, watched yet. Yeah, and then I realized, I was like, oh, that's on Netflix right now. And I opened up Netflix in one of my browsers and just started watching the first, like, 15, 20 minutes of it. And I was like, this is a really weird time. Like, there's no way that the Coens should have a movie that's out right now, and I can just sort of open it up my laptop and just watch it. It's odd. Do, I can't get used to it. Do we know if Michael Bay's Six Underground film is going to get a similar treatment only because he's such a big screen guy? Do uh, you think they'll give him, like, the two-week, the two three? Because Six Underground's obvious. I mean, again, I haven't seen it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not judging it, but it doesn't seem like an Oscar film. Um, you never know. Never, you never know. But um, my point being is that, it, will they afford him that two-week release, especially with that name and Ryan Reynolds involved? Um, yeah. They'll give him a theater theatrical um, release? It'd be interesting because I think he'll push for it because yeah. he'll want something in the theater. And he can right? push for it. He has, he has the way to do it. But then they're going to... But that's exactly the thing. Like, then you're going to get to a point where who is the director who asks for the two-week release and is told, eh, you're not really... <laughs> you're not really yeah, I mean, like, I mean, Apostle guy. didn't get... A two-week right. release, and that's from a right. pretty big director. Um, yeah. Sandra Bullock's movie is getting a theatrical release, right? I think Bird so. Box? I think so. Did Which Mudbound, looks fantastic, by the way. Suzanne That Beer. does look good. Did Mudbound get a simultaneous or a pre-release before streaming? I saw it in I theaters. Yeah, I think it was. I want to say it was Was it the same time, or was it? The, or did Mudbound get an actual I'm not sure. I saw it for the pre- junket, so I can't super remember. I thought it was day and date. I actually thought it was day and day, but, but so, that landscape's changing every month. Right. So, so what is the first, is 22 July the first Netflix film to do this, the model? The yeah, two I weeks? Think so. I, I okay. think so. Yeah, I believe so. I mean, I, it, but it's interesting who's doing it. Think about think about these filmmakers who are pushing for this. I mean, right. Alfonso Cuaron. The Netflix thing is fascinating to me because the major chains aren't allowing their movies to play in their theaters, right? I mean... Yeah, the AMC's, the Regals. We know Alamo now. So who's um, going to be playing Roma? The landmarks, the IFCs, the AFIs, the the independent theaters. But 
And that's the thing. Like, I mean, like, I haven't looked at my phone yet, but Roma opening in theaters this week, how many theaters is it? Is it 10, 20? Is it, is it, is it only New York and L.A.? I, have to, I, have I think to it's more up. like four. I don't think is it's it a lot. Is it really? Yeah, Gabe, can you look, look Gabe, can you look real fast? Um, I, I want to bring this up. There's a reason why we're kind of bringing this up, because the movies that are supposed to be doing real, really well at the box office um, are not. Uh, like, Widows opened this week. It's hoping, it's hoping for a big splash. It did $12 million, uh in its opening weekend. Uh, other films that are trying to catch on, and, and I guess they're going to go wider, but movies like Beautiful Boy and Green Book, they're not having really strong per-theater openings. And I don't... Do you guys think that this is because there's just a glut of things that are available right now, or are these movies not moving the, the needle? What's the story? I mean, but, you know, it's interesting. I, I Yeah, I expected a lot more from uh, Green Book's per-theater average. But that's also one of those movies that I feel like... I was actually kind of surprised that they did the rollout release. Like, to me... That's like the average American, almost like middle America movie that, that people are going to go out and see. I, I uh, went last night with my mom and my mom loved it, you know, but mm-hmm. like she necessarily wouldn't seek it out like at an independent theater in New York. Like I, I was surprised that that's what they're doing. But then again, I mean, Suspiria had a really big per theater average whenever it yes. opened to just a few and then it opened wider and did nothing. So like... I've, it's it's a catch twenty two. We're like, yeah, you want that splashy big per theater number to be able to sort of get that buzz going, but it still has to equate to something. I mean, if you if you then open wide two weeks later and does nothing, uh, I mean, it's it, then did you just kill the per theater average that you have? Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, how many theaters did Green Book open in? Do we know the exact number? Was it was it? I want to say twelve, but I, no, okay. no. I think I think it. I think the per theater average was twelve thousand. I think it was a twelve thousand per theater average, but I can't remember what the. Hold on, I'm checking real fast. I do, I do. It, it, the Suspiria thing is interesting because that exploded, limited, clearly, and then didn't do well wide. I think Green Book. I agree with Jake. I think it was. Uh, it the, the problem is though, is there a is there a lot of people? Are there a lot of people saying they want to see Green Book? I, I actually don't know a lot of people who know much about it. Yeah, I'm still I, explaining to people what Green Book is. Green was Book t- was in twenty five theaters. This past I was talking day. to someone. Uh, about this on my job today, they should be explaining what the Green Book is in Agreed. the trailers. Agreed. Uh, because in my here and, and forgive my ignorance, and I don't know if you guys are uh, would agree with me on this or I not. I didn't know I, what a Green Book was. Thank neither did I. So um, I've actually Sean, been not. You? No, I had no idea. I've been yeah. not saying what a Green Book is in my review because I w- would hope that maybe people who see it that are that maybe they don't don't know what it is are learning about it through the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then uh, people were telling me, oh, you, you should be talking about what Green Book is. I'm like, yes, but I didn't want to know what it was prior to the movie. But then the, there's the argument of the historical element of it. It's a real thing. People who aren't aware, Green Book was a book that essentially told, uh, you know, Jake, I'll let you explain. I, I'm, I, yeah, I, a Green I, Book was uh, during the 50s and the 60s. It was yeah. a book that essentially was very helpful for African-Americans in that time. Uh, in the South, it essentially listed restaurants and hotels, hotels. that were safe. And roads, safe, too, right? And roads it, and paths yeah. and areas that were safe for them to be able to to travel on and to stay in and to visit and to eat at. Uh, it was very helpful for a lot of people of that time. Obviously, very unfortunate that it even needed to exist in the first place. But uh, So, yeah, it is handed to Viggo Mortensen's character as they begin, Byrne. yeah, yeah, by PJ Byrne, um, as they begin their journey to the South, essentially saying, "Hey, 
you might need this. But that scene should have been in the trailer. Like for, to me, Agreed. it's like that. The book. I agree with you. The, the name of the movie. I, I had no clue what that meant. I thought there was going to be some like a big surprise. And again, well, this is yeah, and let of, me. This is speaking to my ignorance. This so, is not I mean, a I'm, spoiler. I'm, I'm also, there years too. Old. <clears throat> it's in the spoiler, but the green book itself is not important to the movie. Like, I, it's not well, because, and that's what I thought was interesting too. Because and not it is, too, but like all of their rooms are already booked when they're yeah, going but, on this journey. But but it, it is helpful to explain why Mahershal is staying in a different hotel yeah. than Vigo is, yeah, and sure. and why Vigo. I mean, a lot of the. But drama, do they ever use the book? Oh like, yeah. Does he ever yeah. open the book and go? Yeah. Oh, we need to find you a place to stay. Yeah, I remember. I remember specifically him I think pulling. That, yeah, I think at least one spot. time, and then they like. Do. And I remember, like, I, I, I just remember, uh, again, I saw it a couple weeks ago, but I remember very specific sequences where, like, Vigo would be at his hotel, Mahershala gets into a, 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 a bit of a situation where his hotel is, and he has to go back. And I think the Green Book element of it is a huge part, but that's not really played out at all in the marketing. Um, so I, I find that interesting, because it is, I think that would be a powerful tool, because not a lot of people know what that is. Uh, unless you were either alive at that time or you know a lot about... I mean, I, I consider myself someone who knows casually a lot about history in that particular time period. I've watched a lot of documentaries, read a lot of books about it and films, but I had never heard of a green book, personally. I think they're they're hoping also that just positive word of mouth comes yeah. out. Like, I mean, they want what happened with Star is Born, which was, you know, it opened well and then just continued to perform. Yeah. For weeks at a time, but and Green that, Book I think is a lot that, of people want what happened with the Star Is Born. Oh, but sure. Green Book, Absolutely. Green Book is that movie though. It's a great, it's a very, very good movie that yeah. I think is an audience pleaser. I think it touches on very serious things. We can get into this when we talk about it, but I just feel like I feel like that's a kind of a movie that should take off. Um, and I'm wondering, I, and and to Jake's point about the about the platform release, and then to my point about the Green Book not being mentioned in the marketing, it just yeah, it just. It, I also know it's it, it's a it's an interesting film. To, to market and I can I can see people behind the scenes kind of figure out okay how can we sell this is this a com- my anchor said to me the other day is this a comedy or is this a drama I said well it's a drama that just has natural comedy that's infused into it mm-hmm. um, but she's like basically they're asking does it make light of this like no 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 it's 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 serious but it's about the friendship and the car well and when I've, you turn I've around and say people it's 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 driving Miss Daisy it is it's, it's it has those elements to it. <clears throat> But when you mention it's directed by one half of the Fairley brothers also, they're like, oh, you know, is it slapsticky like that? And it's not. It's not that at all. Which, I, which by the way, I, when I sat down with Peter Fairley, a couple things that I found interesting that I wanted to bring up that he said to me. One, first of all, I think I've discussed this on a show before. This kind of plays into a whole the whole bathroom blend thing we did um, about. <laughs> no, I'm being serious about Dumb and Dumber. There's something about Mary, uh, you know, me, myself and Irene. While these are R-rated or PG-13 raunchy uh, com- comedies, like I still think Dumb and Dumber has a great heart to it. Um, I think that the relationship between those two is is, is incredible and well done. Um, something about Mary, which I rewatched two days ago, it's an excellent film. Like mm-hmm. like just not just a comedy. Um, so I wasn't surprised that this came from Peter Fairley. Um, only in the sense of. That it's he's done drama well in these comedies that we all know and love. It's just that they get overshadowed by the raunchiness of them, and that's fine. It's just the way comedies work. A um, couple things that were really cool about Green Book and that I really appreciated: Viggo Mortensen actually his one of his three recommendations when he first signed on for the film was, "I do not want an opening credit or a title card." Um, 
So when the film opens, there's zero credits and zero title card, huh. um, which I thought was awesome. Because and well, Peter said I asked him why he did it, and he said it's because it reminds you you're watching a film, and it's so true. I mean, if you like sit down and watch a movie and a scene hits, like the other day, Lauren and I were watching Black Panther, right? And the scene happens in the beginning with Sterling K. Brown and. Uh, young Michael B. Jordan's characters outside playing basketball in the street, right? Mm. Then you go to this massive Marvel logo that, like, it, the flipping. But see, the I, I love the Marvel logo. It gets it, me so jacked, man. It works for that, but I'm just talking about in general. It does. I, mean, I, th- I think a cool, to- a cool title placement can really depends. sort of get me get me going, like that. You know, and, and, and like to, to your Ready Player One. Like, you know, whenever we get sort of that opening little montage and the explanation of the contest and everything, yes. and he says, you know, let the, let the search for the key begin, and then, yeah. bam, like, Ready Player One. I was like, yes! I was into See, it. I'm all open for creative ones. Like, Fincher's Fight Club opening, uh, whatever, I mean, even the girl with the dragon head. I mean, he's amazing with his opens, right? So, that works. But just standard, like, credits, like, yeah. name, montage. And I'm just like, montage. but even uh, it's funny. You look at uh, Pulp Fiction, right? That goes to a black screen. Yeah. But it's the song that carries uh, you through that. Uh, and then they remember the radio changes and they yeah. change the dial. But to Peter's point, though, I think it's interesting that they did it that way. Um, and it just starts, drops you into the world. You forget you're watching a movie. You're right. invested. I thought that was um, cool. Who of the two of them uh, wins an Oscar in five months? Mahershala oh. or Vigo? Mahershala, Mahershala has the best chance. Even though I think Vigo's performance is the best of his career. Vigo's is incredible. I think Vigo... The, the problem with Vigo is he's going to have tougher competition in his kind Yeah, of I, th- I think that's it. I think I think the... And not to take away from Mahershala's performance because it's incredible. Um, They're both great. I think supporting is just a weaker category this year. I, I yeah. think, you know... Until we with, see Vice. Until right, we see but, Vice. I, but just based on what I've heard about Vice already... Yeah. Uh, it's, what have you heard it, about Vice? I I've heard that honestly that it's Christian Bale's to lose. Also, ah. I've heard that Amy Adams is very much in the competition. Hmm. That's awesome. I'm inter- I'm interested. I'm so. I see it's on. I think Sean and I both see it on Monday, right? Tuesday. Mine's Tuesday. Oh morning. yeah, you're Tuesday. I see Bill Street on Monday, and then we see Vice on Tuesday. Oh, Bill Street. Uh, they're good. screening Vice early. I didn't get I didn't get a Vice invite. I, I really yeah. want to see it. <laughs> We're there, gonna call they, you right after. Vice? Tell you the whole thing. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I, I heard. I haven't got an invite, but but uh, I heard that they're junketing the vice. Uh, junketing the vice. Do we want to know who Jake hears this stuff from? And this just keeps saying, "I've heard, I've heard, I've heard." But I want to know who Jake hears this stuff from. Is this a Don't worry prequel? About it. I got people. Is, is it a Jan. prequel to Paul Thomas Anderson's movie, though? Right? <laughs> yes. Inherent vice. Yes. Mm. Hopefully, it's but, better. Yeah. And then in but, the sequel, when they move down to Miami Vice. Gonna be great. Uh, can, can can we can we discuss Green Book yet? Are we are we on the review? We just we did. On? No, <laughs> we just did for well, thirty minutes. No, what I mean what I mean by that is, uh, can we discuss our, our points on it? I, mean, I I like the film a lot, but I don't. I I I think it's a very 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 good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I could watch three hours of those two in the car together. That to me was the best parts of the film. I was not five out of five top ten blown away by Green Book that I like 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 I had heard from Tiff and a lot of people who saw it. I mean I gave the movie a four and a half. I really liked it, borderline loved it. Um but nothing in it wowed me um to make a top ten mm. on my list. I'm curious where you guys are on it. I would probably say I'm exactly where you are. I okay. really, really, really liked mm-hmm. it and the performances were incredible. Um, I don't think I crossed that threshold into love. Same. 
It's Same. you know it's 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 a perfectly pleasant, very enjoyable crowd pleaser movie, and right. I I feel like this is going to be one of those movies where people go, oh, you didn't love it? It's not in your top ten that you didn't like it? And I'm going to go, yeah. no, no, I, I liked it very much so. Uh, and um, I, for this reason, I think, um, I don't think any of us are passionate about it. It's not a passionate movie, right? right. It's not, it's a very competently made, yeah. uh, it's a It's a very good story. Yeah. And and the, the whole time I was watching it, I was like, we are watching, sometimes you can just sit there and be like, oh, I'm watching an Oscar-nominated performance, mm-hmm. right? And and I wa- well, you watch two of them yeah. in this, and you're like, these two are a lock- there's four slots left, right, in whatever category that they choose to fall in. Right. But there's no way that I would put this in my top ten because there's just too many other movies that I legitimately and passionately uh, for. Whereas I just like there's, I, I could send anybody to Green Book and say, oh yeah, you're gonna like it. It's a great yeah. story. Forms Nobody, is really yeah. great, but it's not yeah. gonna. And, my top and it's 10. also like I kind of wish that this would be one of those movies I, I would have loved to have seen at Toronto because because Toronto is really sort of where the buzz started, where everyone's like, oh my god, Green Book is now. The, uh, it won you know, the, the audience Oscar, award. Yeah, it won the audience award, and I can see why it would, because it's a very crowd-pleasing movie. But the buzz for a hot second was that all of a sudden it's this massive best Oscar picture. contender. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm sorry, that is not a movie that... Honestly, that's a movie that wins Best Picture 30 years ago. That's not a movie that wins Best Picture today. I mean, listen, Vigo is unbelievable in it. And I, and, They're both and unbelievable. We'll, we'll move on, but I, I definitely think you should see it. For yeah. sure, yeah. Um, the driving stuff is incredible. The, the the KFC sequence is incredible. It's it's very well done. Um, and their, their on screen on screen chemistry is, I think, some of the best on screen on screen chemistry in years. So good, and like and like their the driving scenes alone are worth seeing the film. Like like like, but Vigo disappears. Like Mahershala is disappearing as well. He's amazing. Vigo is the one that blew me away. Blew me He's away. Great. He's that's great. the that's the he's so disgusting in it. Yeah. <laughs> he's just, I mean, he's, oh, he's he literally folds yeah. a pizza in half and starts eating it. <laughs> but then, but you know what's beautiful about Mahershala's performance? Though? That. You know what's beautiful about Mahershala's performance is the calmness. Yeah. Oh, it's great. I just love. I love sitting with him. Like I love the way he spoke. The way he carried himself. Mm-hmm. Um, like that scene when they're when he's helping him write the letters at the table at that restaurant. Just the way I, I, I love his eloquence. I love the way he. he I don't know. It was just a great. It was a great character who was. By the way, the cool thing about the film is the is the arc that they how they change each other. It's it's the opening up of Mahershala and the like and and the learning curve that Beagle goes on about mm-hmm. not putting people in a box based on race All right. uh, and assuming that people should do these things because of their race. It's amazing. That's so, great. Yeah. Okay. Um. We have to move on, but I just want to ask this, I promise. And this is not even just a Green Book question, but like Jake said, coming out of Toronto, it became the, this is the one to beat now. Uh, Today, what's the front runner for Best Picture? Star is Born. I I still think it's a Star is Born. I would agree with that. All three of us feel that way. And And it it deserves it. I mean, I I rewatched last night. It is an incredible film from every aspect of... I was watching the film again last night. Sam Elliott, that... To me, is the supporting acting performance of the year. Like that is an unbelievable performance. Um, mm. But here's the thing: in a, I think in he a, gets nominated for sure. In a in a in I a perfect world, though, I would love to see something like Infinity War win, which will never happen. But yeah, I mean, like whenever, whenever we do these things, we have to put things in the context of what actually has a shot at winning. Right. Exactly. Well, so I want to do let's do Rising and Falling really fast, um, and then uh, and one of the things I'm going to throw out there is um, based on. What I've heard um, from some people using Jake sources, uh, I'm going to say Rising is Black Panther. Yes, 100%. 
for this reason. Um, I, I've been told by people in the know that Disney is pushing very hard for Black Panther. And for Are this your reason, people my people? I don't think, though. I think they're my, different people. My person is Kevin Small. <laughs> oh, shoot, it is. God, she gets <laughs> the same information every single time. Why is uh, it my person, my mom? For this reason. <laughs> um, they believe right now that the field is is gettable, you know, that, that there isn't a, a dominant front runner. And uh, and the one, one angle that I was given, and I, I believe this as I was told it, with the introduction of the popular Oscar, uh, which you know didn't take off and and probably got uh, uh, abandoned for good, and that's great. We shouldn't have that category. But the 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 thought process behind the popular Oscar category <laughs> means that there is enough of a push that like we need to start recognizing movies that people really like, right? Like, and and that the best picture of the of the year actually can be something that everybody loved and why not pick a movie that um, broke through a lot of important cultural barriers is the highest grossing movie domestically. People forget Black Panther outgrossed Infinity War uh, in the States. Infinity War did top Black Panther globally. Um, but and it's also it's such an incredibly well-made blockbuster that you don't feel get that bad getting behind it and supporting into the push. So I'm going to say that at this moment right now, before too many people puncture holes in it, uh, Black Panther is going to get a really strong Oscar push that may get it a Best Picture nomination. Oh, I think I think it gets nominated. I mean, I, I, and I think we've discussed this on the show before. Um, not taking anything away from Black Panther, but we all can agree that Infinity War is a better movie. Yes. Um, but my number one of the year still coming. Yeah, I mean, that being said, though, you can't deny the cultural impact that Black Panther had. Now, does that does that equal Best Picture? I don't know. I would love. Has the Academy ever even defined? what best picture is like is there a definition oh really for what i mean does it have to be the best movie of the year or is it the film that had the biggest I, impact i think by definition it should be by there exactly what it says it should be the best film of the year i agree but if you're but now here's the thing if people are voting on the impact that film had then 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 there you go I and mean, that mm-hmm. that that is easily the most impactful most important film of the year in regards to what it did box office wise and culturally so it's that 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 that's where i'm uh, the line is so blurry to me because i don't think anybody really thinks black panther is the best movie of the year it's the most important film of the year possibly from a box office standpoint and what it did culturally so sure i don't know where we i don't know where it's a weird thing to talk about because people i talked to someone about this the other day i was when i was at the creed junket and i said my point about what i just said exactly infinity war versus black panther and, like, there are people who I've spoken with that were so profoundly moved by Black Panther that that's truly how they feel about it. That, mm-hmm. that it is the best film they've seen this year because of how it moved them. And so, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how. It, what, Jake, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, like, in a sense of, like, it's, 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 it's a weird thing because it is a good movie. Right. But it has problems. Yeah, it's, it's, very, it's very problematic. And, and yeah. I... Uh, I don't think that best picture equates to changing a culture. I, yeah, uh, I think yeah. I think those are two completely different things. Um, I do agree that no film affected the culture of America quite like Black Panther did. And if there was an Oscar for cultural movement, then Black Panther would win. But if we're talking about what is the best film... You know, I mean, look at look at going back to, and I'm not trying to equate because it's a little bit of apples and oranges, but I mean, Titanic 
yes, it won Best Picture, but it really a lot of people would argue it wasn't the best film that year. But it won, but you know, but it's it one because it got you know everyone went and saw it ten thousand different times, and it was a highest grossing film of all time. But it wasn't the best film that year. Like, what's the year the Avatar won? No one's going to argue it was the best picture that year, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so you know, I, I, I'm, you know, not only is Best Picture or, or not only is Black Panther not the best film of the year, it's not even the best superhero film of the year. No, mm. it's not. Yeah. And, and, and it's. I rewatched Creed the other day, the first Creed, and the filmmaking in that film, uh, in my opinion, surpasses Black Panther completely in just regards to the way it's shot, the way right. it's told. My problem with Black Panther, which I watched the other day, is it's a very, very good movie. It's, it'll probably make my top ten. I actually liked, almost borderline love Black Panther for sure. Um, but that, the waterfall CGI, man, there is some rough CGI in that film. <laughs> yeah. But I will say that... Even the, the, the final uh, fight scene in the, the Underground train. Railroad yeah. already, to me, looks problematic. And if it looks problematic now, I always question what is it going to look like in ten years. Jake, you had a rising. Do you have a rising or a falling? Jake had one. Uh, I would say my rising would probably be Vice, just because they've started screening it, and and I've heard uh, nothing but just you know from the heavens reviews for Christian Bale's performance, yeah. for uh, for Amy Adams' performance. Amy Adams is very much one of those actresses who a lot of people feel is due by now. Um, so I could see her uh, really pulling out a supporting actress uh, Oscar here potentially. Should have won for Arrival. Yeah, the fact that she wasn't even nominated just blows my mind. Um, and a lot, and that's the thing is that a lot the Oscars say that a lot of people could you know they could be making up for that. Um, and then apparently Adam McKay's um, just direction and script is just on freaking fire. Nice. So I'm very excited to see it. So that's that's really what I've been hearing a lot about lately. And if I had to put uh, a falling, I would say Green Book. Um, hmm. because I feel like that white hot buzz coming out of Toronto is now sort of subsiding into a lot of yeah, it's good. It's not great. Yeah, it's good. Um, and a lot of people, you know, sort of kind of criticizing it. I've seen on the internet for being a little schmaltzy, mm. which it is. I can see that. Kevin, do you I, have one? Did you have one yeah, you want to throw out? I think, I think that Bohemian is continuing to keep a track. That uh, box office is really helping for, it. For Rami. I think that yeah. Rami is going to get nominated for sure. Can it pick um, up any nominations you. beyond him? I don't. I don't think so. I mean, right. maybe maybe visual effects for the Live Aid stuff. Okay. Probably the under the under the belt stuff. But the but um, is that a failure for that movie if it only receives one Oscar nomination? No, no not at all. Is it, no, because because no. you're you're telling me that that when that first trailer came out that people didn't think that this was Fox's Oscar movie. Uh, yeah, it's true. No, like, like where what people thought that movie was yeah. going to be. Uh, six months ago versus what it turned out to be. Interesting. Like the, the fact that we're saying. That it would be a massive achievement for it to receive one Oscar nomination. You're saying that's not a disappointment. Yeah, I, I don't know. When when it played, when we saw it, it didn't strike me as an Oscar contender. So if they keep yeah, it in the we, conversation, we thought it was going to be. Guys, do you think Black Panther is going to win Best Picture this year? No, no, no. And I I just think I, the stigma I, I, of a Marvel of being you. a Marvel movie. It, there's too many Academy members who just will never give. Yeah. A Marvel movie, quote yeah. unquote, the, See, the, atten- the attention and prestige it deserves. I, I say this all the time when we have conversations like this. Enough of the old school Academy members are going to have to die before that day ever comes where a superhero movie is going to win Best Picture. Yes, and if I have to single handedly eliminate these people, yeah, if I have to kill them yeah. off See, myself, <laughs> it's funny because I, I want, I would, here's the thing, and this is going to sound hypocritical, I would love to see something like that happen. Because of what it would do to the Academy 
in changing the way they view films. If Black Panther won Best Picture, then you move on, and superhero films are now fair game. No. Um, I'll tell you what would happen. In reaction to Black Panther winning... Next year, Tom Hooper's cats would sweep every category <laughs> right. because the right. pendulum would have to swing back yeah. completely the other direction. Yeah. It's interesting, though. Like, or, or when that happens, does the Oscar, does the Academy finally go, okay, we're good now. You got your Oscar. Let's move on. 100%. Yes. The, this week, coming to movies, it's the Thanksgiving weekend. We have a number of different titles that are coming. I want to get uh, reactions to to these very quickly. We touched on Green Book, obviously, that's uh, opening, expanding to more theaters. I looked, it was 25 theaters last week. It's going to move to about 1,000 screens this uh, week. We've already talked about the fact that all three of us think you should see it, but maybe dial back your best picture expectations. Um, three heavy hitters that are dropping into theaters. Uh, are starting, there? Uh, are there? Uh, I think they are. Creed 2. Creed 2 is okay, big. All right. Wreck-It Ralph 2 is big. Ralph Breaks okay, is definitely go, big. Okay, go ahead and give me that third one. Rob, Robin Hood. Robin Hood. Taron Edgerton. Jamie Foxx. The fact that you have to say it with ben a Mendelsohn. question mark at the end. Robin Hood. <laughs> uh, I didn't see Robin Hood, uh, so I will rely on you guys to tell me right here and now whether it's worth my time to go see. It's fine. In theaters? No. No. Really? I, I, I think it's, I think it's perfectly I think it's perfectly fine. Um, I, think, it was, I think it's a remake of a very popular film, which I won't say. Kevin it's, it's kind of has, a spoiler. Okay, a spoiler. can we please let this movie come out and then yeah. give Kevin the floor? Because Kevin blew my freaking mind when <laughs> yeah. he made me realize that this week's Robin Hood yes. is a remake of another popular film that's come out within the last... 15 yes. years. Yeah, I, know what it is. Beat I want to put that on the beat. record. It's the exact yeah. film. And I didn't realize it until Kevin laid it out for so, me. And my mind, you know, you know how much I love arguing with Kevin McCarthy about points. He is spot on with this. Spot is it Mamma Mia? Here we go again. Yes. Sure. No, no. What did I say? Oh, I gave it away. Shoot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I will say this. And this is, uh, I'm going to keep this vague because the entire reveal of this is even a spoiler. Um, but there is, <laughs> beat for beat in this film, it feels like a remake of a very, very popular movie. Um, and what I will say is pay attention to the third act of Robin Hood. Okay. Um, music, editing, the way it's shot, and character arcs, reveals, mm -hmm. everything about it, in my opinion, is this film. Um, I, was, and I thought it was fun, though. I liked I liked the fun. stylized version of it. Yeah. Um, I think it's Wait. probably the of all the Robin Hoods that are out there. It's probably Kevin. I'm curious if you agree with this. It's probably the easiest to watch. It's yeah, quick. It's fast moving. It's super stylized to 2018. I mean, we're talking a lot of slow motion shots. Uh, a, a weird blend of time periods where some things happen, or or someone's wearing a certain costume. Where I go, okay, does this take place in the future? And then some things happen where, like, I'm like, okay, does this take place 400 years? Like, when, when does this movie take place? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But I sort of just gave up trying to figure it out and just kind of went along for the ride. But if we're talking about you're getting the family together and you're going to pick a movie to go see, I can't – I mean, there's no way that's going to be your best option in theaters. Okay. Unless everything else is sold out, you'll be – you know, <laughs> then, then that's fine. But come on, Kevin. There's no way. That's, that, that can't be your number one pick. My wife made a great point about that movie uh, having a very similar vibe to what Richie did, Guy Richie did with King Arthur. It's very stylized, and that's not the movie I'm referring to. But well, that's selling me. I like yeah. that King Arthur I mean, one, actually. The, me too. And the the action in this film is very well done. Um, oddly enough, what blows my mind about that film are how many arrows have to be shot by that character 
<laughs> and none of them are ever shot in real life. You can't legally shoot an arrow on a set. Really? Um, I didn't know Oh, that. no, you cannot shoot arrows on set. Um, and so I think, is he mimicking it the whole time? Well, there's ways they do it. Like, I think that sometimes they'll, they have to, like, numb the spear. Or I think what they actually do, from what I've been told or in other interviews that I've done before, is you, you, you scale back, the arrow drops, and then you just shoot nothing, and then they. And then, but then, what you do for like the explosions, right? The wood and the and the and the, and the rocks that explode, those are just squibs. So that was all practically blowing up on set and things like that. Um, but yeah, you can't shoot an arrow at somebody or. And what's I mean, crazy, it makes sense. It's probably the same way you can't shoot a gun on set. Like I mean, it makes yeah. sense. But Ro- it's funny about Robin Hood is that I have zero idea how that movie is PG thirteen. It's one of the most violent films I've seen in a long time, and because they just do have no blood what it all comes down to is the insertion of an arrow right so if you see it like happening in the distance or whatever they get away with a lot in this film like and then meanwhile you have in a movie like eighth grade which is dropping some a couple of words that people hear in their normal day lives and that gets an r rating which is really strange and king's speech i think it had like 16 f-bombs and they got an r rating it's very weird which is why i saw this on twitter the other day which i i I think is going to be really funny in the Deadpool film. If they, I'm sure Ryan Reynolds will do this. Um, you get one F word in 13 films, sometimes two, depending on... Uh, I don't know how they work out the leeway there. I would assume that there's going to be a whole bit in there about... the. And this is not my my words. I want to, Whoever said this on Twitter, you get credit for this, but there's probably going to be an entire bit about him struggling to say the one F word, right? And then it'll be like a, well, a I mean, monument. But remember, what was the... There was a John Travolta movie, Be Cool, which was the PG-13... Sequel, get shorty, R rated, get yeah. shorty, and the opening conversation was about the Travolta F-word? saying, "Do you know that PG thirteen movies only get one F word? <laughs> well, F that, and he uses <laughs> the one he uses the one F word in that moment. And that's the opening scene. He, he gets it out of the way. I the was Frank thinking, Savage bit made me laugh really oh, it's hard. Awesome, yeah. I'm, I'm really so excited hard. about it. His I might like this version bit. of Deadpool more yeah. than I like the actual R-rated yeah. version of Deadpool. We may convince Jake that Deadpool's funny. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. That trailer's pretty good. I mean, it the whole... trailer. By the way, if you think about how inside baseball some of that stuff is, though, for example, the ending joke of that trailer about 20th Century Fox Marvel versus yeah, Disney yeah. Marvel. Marvel we licensed all, by Fox. <laughs> we get that, right? Yeah, that, that, that's right. funny the to Beatles us. Beatles produced by yeah. Nickelback. Right, but... but <laughs> it's does music. The, does the average person know what that means? Like, I, I, I have a no. Like, no. Is the average person watching movie trailers? On it's the internet? true, but I mean that joke is so great and it's funny to us. <laughs> but if I showed that to my executive producer on my morning show, they'd be like, yeah. "What does that mean?" Yeah, because I mean, because I mean, the whole. I mean, by the way, we we need to get into this on another show at some point. I it's so mind blowing to me that two studios are sharing a character. Like, is that un, that's so un, yeah. gotta be unheard of? That Sony and Marvel are sharing, or in Disney are sharing Spider Man, and then mm-hmm. for people who aren't aware, I mean, everyone knows that Fox is being sold to Disney, and that's the joke why Fred Savage is making that joke at the end of the at the end of the mo- at the end of the trailer. But it's like, man, like it, it, that's such an inside thing, and it, it's like the best joke in the trailer. Yep, it is really funny. Although the up joke is also really funny. Yeah. Say, yeah. By the way, do you think that was the Disney joke that was cut from Deadpool Two? I I, I think no, it is. I don't think. Oh, so. maybe. I, don't know, I think it is. I think that was the Disney joke cut from uh, Deadpool 2 that it is in the trailer. I don't know. Do you think they would reveal that soon? I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I that's not. Re- but that's not really a joke about Disney, though. I, I assume that the joke <laughs> was about Disney. Yeah. That's a, that's a joke about a Disney movie. I was well, surprised that Ralph, the Ra- Wreck-It Ralph sequel, which is coming out this week, uh, 
essentially called Disney out yeah. about well, the way princesses are handled. In, yeah, so let's shift to Ralph. That was too, interesting to me. Because it is essentially uh, in the middle of this, this entire... It's Ralph breaks the internet. Um, Vanellope and Ralph leave the arcade, head into the internet. They're looking for a replacement part for Vanellope's broken console game. And I'll be the one to come out and say that um, I was disappointed. I was disappointed in it because, and and for this reason, I think the bar is raised so high with the original Ralph. I think the original Ralph is really, really funny, uh, really creative. I love those two characters. Um, I expected this new one to at least try to reach those heights, and it didn't for me. It was, um, I I like the idea of sending him into the internet, and instead of really uh, having some fun and exploring different ways that these characters could interact with with the internet, I thought it went for the easiest jokes most of the time. The eBay bit where they overbid for the part and then sending him to Oh My Disney. While in theory, I guess the meta-ness of it could have worked, um, it didn't It didn't work for me. It was too much of just Disney giving you the elbow every time of, oh, look, we got Star Wars and there's animated Stan Lee. And the princess bit was very, very funny, but the rest of it just seemed kind of icky. And uh, it wasn't funny enough to make me think that, that it was worth doing. Who changed you? I know. You used to have the wide-eyed innocence of a child. It's horrible. I hate that the kid in me. Well, then go see Robin Hood. Then (laughs) I guess I will. I'm in a weird. See all your fake arrows. (laughs) I'm in a weird realm with Wreck-It Ralph. I actually liked the film, but it was nowhere near the original. Wreck-It Ralph one was five out of five. I love that film. I think it was just so clever and so interesting. This movie does have great moments, though. I actually liked the eBay moment. I thought that was funny. I thought that the uh, the storyline of the steering wheel being broken them having to go on the internet. I thought that was all clever. Um, the Oh My Disney stuff I found extremely product placement-y. And listen, I get product placement is a gigantic, gigantic part of movies. See, I felt like they were... For decades. The entire thing I thought was making fun of Disney. I thought that you entire thought Oh My line. Disney scene. Yeah, I, I, th- I, I thought it was so. right on the nose. Mm. But I also I, I like, I, I like this movie, and I think I like this movie more than you guys. But I also don't like enough to like get up on a soapbox and argue with you guys about it. So I uh, so, yeah. so that weird like, oh, you didn't like it? Well, like, okay, I did. But like, I'm not like I like I don't feel like it does, it does like I don't have that fire inside of me about it to like you know hypothetically in the way that, that Sean and I did I think about uh, bad times or that Kevin and I did about First Man. Like I I, yeah. I, I don't love it enough to really get into it. Like it was so, like I, I liked it more than you guys. I will bummer, argue I, in a week or two, maybe a little more than that. If I asked you specific questions about it, you'd forget. You'll forget it. Dude, you asked yeah. me specific questions about this conversation, I'll forget it in a week. It's actually... Oh, Jake, no, yeah. it's not true. This means everything. It okay, really but tell me I'm wrong. I, I think that princess scene has played better than maybe any scene I've seen this year in the theater it's that we were It's very on. funny. It's that very scene, scene. That scene played. And Kevin, you and I saw it in the same theater. Yeah. That scene played, dude. It's a great scene because it because of what it talks about. I mean, the progressive nature of what it is to be a princess in the Disney universe, in the sense mm-hmm. of the idea that they feel the need to, in the past, have a woman saved by a strong man, right? And I think that it's a fascinating. It really, to me, I was that was unbelievable that they were able to call themselves out on that. It was, it was a great bit. Yeah, and they call themselves out, but it also, I think, addresses how far they've come because like, the moment you can call yourself out for it is also a reminder of, like, because we can call ourselves out, it also means that we've come so far. So pat ourselves I on the back. I completely agree. And the cool thing about that scene, by the way, is they brought back 11 of the original people. So there's 14 princesses in that moment, 11 of the voices of the original people. Clearly, the some of them are not around alive anymore, but um, that's crazy. I mean, the fact that they brought in, like, 
they whoever who, I don't even remember the name of the person who voiced like Ariel or um, well like Mandy Moore does, did Tangled, Tangled. Tangled. yeah Rapunzel. and they brought in the uh, for, uh, Kristen uh, Bell probably and the Demon yeah. Zell. yeah but, but it, yeah and the directors about, told me we had the directors on our show and they said that I asked I said okay you're this is a big undertaking trying to get all these women together. Did you before you even wrote the scene? Did you at least reach out to them to see if they'd even be interested? And they said honestly, they said we wrote it and then just prayed. <laughs> they wrote it, not even knowing whether or not they would even be able to get the original actresses, which I'm sure if they needed to, they could get people to sort of, you know, get the video game voices or whatever the case may be. But yeah, they wrote it without even worrying about whether or not they were going to get the, the oh, uh, actresses well, let back. Me, uh, let me point out one quick thing I got to do in L.A. I was in L.A. last week and um, went to a Ralph Breaks VR. There's a That's VR cool. set That's that you can really do cool. to walk through. It's, and it's like an actual physical maze that you walk through wearing um, a vest and a VR uh, visor with a headset completely. And it immerses you completely in the world. And you uh, go through different adventures with Ralph and Vanellope. And it wasn't until afterwards when we were writing up our piece that we were told by Disney that those were not the voices of John C. Riley and Sarah Silverman. Actually, they got Sarah Silverman's sister what? To do a Vanellope impersonation. Well, they I'm do the same sure thing for uh, Tom Hanks, for Woody, for do they really? video game stuff. They get Tom Hanks' brother. Get out of here! Yeah. Really? That's, that's awesome. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. So, that's really uh, okay, cool. you're giving me you're giving me uh, crap for not uh, mentioning that my my father loves lives in Dunkirk. That was <laughs> one of the best pieces of movie trivia I ever heard. How, how yeah, did I ever release that? My grandmother doesn't live in Tom Hanks, Texas. If that that's were the true. case, I guarantee you there'd be a picture of me next to the Tom Hanks sign. You know, right. by the way, to give Sarah Silverman credit, that scene she's doing all by herself. I mean, clearly those 14 uh, princesses were not yeah. physically in the booth with her. Right, right, um, right. That's insane. I mean, to think of that she, that scene navigates so well. Uh, and I think the beauty of animation, and this is really what it comes down to how well a director works with the actors, is making it seem like they're having a real conversation. A lot of, a lot of what, oh, did you, do you guys know about the Kylo Ren bar? Yeah, I heard about that. Oh no. my God! I heard about that, what? Uh, they, so, we're talking about the joke that Disney wouldn't let them include. No, no. Oh, there's a, there's a Kylo Ren joke that they had to go to Lucasfilm oh, no. to get clearance and and Luke Gabe was reminding us that the movie's not out yet. <laughs> oh no, no, this is not the movie. Talking, is, I was this, talking about a joke that didn't make the movie. This is oh, a behind okay. the scenes thing. This has nothing to do with the film. Oh okay. So right. when Kylo Ren, when uh, Adam Driver made Force Awakens, um, he want he went into a booth to do ADR sounds of what the fight sounds were, and he had Abrams and the the sound technicians build a handlebar that went around the booth that he could latch onto and like maneuver himself to make like action noises of what it would be like to be in a fight or falling, whatever it was. So the same booth that was used for him is what they used to voice Wreck-It Ralph 2. Um, so John C. Riley used the exact handlebars that Kylo Ren used or Adam Driver used to do his stuff. So anytime you hear like a grunting or a falling, like John C. Riley was getting up on this thing and like doing things, uh, they all had that. So it's the it, the reason awesome. why they had that is because of Adam Driver. Have you ever That's seen cool. that video of Hugh Jackman Crazy. recording ADR, but like sound like like grunts for Logan? For yes, Logan. It's the same where he's running that. through the woods and he's got to do like that. Yeah, because like, yeah, we yeah. forget that like it's crazy all man. Of those sounds. But yeah, there was a, there was a joke apparently um, that they were not allowed to put in Rough Rex Internet. Uh, that essentially de- depicted Kylo Ren as like a spoiled little brat, and I guess they, they <laughs> but he didn't is. need permission, but they needed the. Bl- I guess they went to Lucasfilm for the blessing 
and Lucasfilm was like, look, this is our main villain. We're trying to portray him as really this kind of like hardcore character. Please do not portray him as like a bratty teenager. Okay. So they, they honored the wishes of Lucasfilm and did not include that. Interesting. Interesting. Um, Creed 2, really fast. Uh, do you guys recommend it? Where? I'd yeah, I'd, I'd say it doesn't break the mold, but I thought it was a really, really strong... I mean, like, you know exactly what you're going to get when you go into it, and I was perfectly okay with that. One thing I thought Creed 2 did really well was what a lot of films this year did, like Black Panther and Infinity War, was making villains that you related to. Um, and the Dragos are come across as very hardcore villains early on in the film. And without giving anything away, uh, the way the story is written and the way the fights all play out... There's a great arc to those to those two that I thought was genuinely well done. I don't know if Jake agrees with me, but I thought that I Dolph and Florian uh, and Florian is this his first movie, Jake? I don't even remember looking. As far I, 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 know, I know, he's a Romanian but, yeah. boxer. Um, by the but way, it, it, it changes Ivan Drago for you and changes how you. At least I look at him in Rocky Four now. Completely agree, and and I think that people are going to be. Blown away that they feel the way they do about the Dragos. Um, and it's interesting that they pulled it off and how they did it and how well they did it. Um, it's You feel it. You feel every bit of it. And one thing I will say about the fight scenes in this film, I rewatched Creed 1 the other day. That movie blows me away because of just the sheer continuous takes of those fights. I mean, walking into the ring and doing two rounds, the second main fight in Creed 2 is one of the most insane things I've ever seen in my life. That's one shot. Like Did they try to replicate of, this? Did they try? Because no. it's not Kugler this time. So this filmmaker doesn't do the long takes. His name is Stephen Capel. I Capel. think his name. Stephen Capel Jr. Did a really great job. I was yeah. actually, I was worried that Kugler wasn't involved because I think Ryan Kugler is arguably top five filmmakers working today and I will watch anything him and, and Michael B. do together. I mean, no question. Those two are like the new Scorsese De Niro. Um, Fruit Vale, Masterpiece, Creed, amazing, Black Panther, amazing. Um, it's not as stylized, shot-wise, mm-hmm. as that movie. But, that being said, and I don't know if Jake agrees, the punches that these guys take are yeah. so brutal. Um, it is hardcore. Like, very, very, very... If you go back and watch Rocky Four footage, it's super cheesy. Except for the car... The, even the, the Carl Weathers knockout... Um, the, Even the, that's, you know, stop the fight. By the way, I Throw had... in the towel. I know we don't have a lot of time. This that movie is actually, had a whole James Brown music video in the middle of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is actually <laughs> The super, movie, Rocky IV, is about 85% training montage. Montages. Oh, yeah. 100%. You know what's interesting, by the way? And uh, Jake and I were at the junket for Creed Two, and they, they had Dolph in a room with um, Florian. And um, I just... I really wanted to get Dolph's perspective on what it was like to throw that punch that, that killed Apollo Creed. Like what the, like the direction that Stallone gave him and what the, what, what it felt like emotionally to kill off Apollo Creed. I mean, like, so Spoilers, interestingly obviously. enough, what'd you say? Spoilers, obviously. I'm well, kidding. Rocky Four, 33 30 years, years ago. Um, <laughs> so he starts talking about the, 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 the direction he got from Stallone and, walking into the moment, being a fan of Carl Weathers, not wanting to kill him. And then he says that when he throws the left hook, if you watch the scene again, which I, I, I aired this this morning and we, we freezed, we freeze the shot. There's a, a huge light that encompasses the entire frame as the death punch is hit. 
Mm. Completely happy accident. Not intended. It was just a spotlight that was shining down onto the onto the onto the ring itself, mm. and it became this thing where it's a, as Dolph Lundgren said, it's a spiritual moment. The moment he's dying and going to heaven, and it's like he's seeing the light. You know what I mean? So if you go back and watch the scene again, it is incredibly okay. different. We Listening are to putting more thought into Rocky Four. No, I would anyone buy that. has. Ever I'm actually. Put. I would be, buy it. No, because like it. Dolph said that back in the day when they shot that movie, they shot it on film. So a couple of days later, they got the dailies and they went back and watched it, and that's when they learned that there was this re- random happy accident that a light beam hits the screen as Apollo dies, and like Dolph talking about how Carl fell to the ground to get that slow mo shot of his face hitting the mat. It's actually really interesting, like, like, because it's one of the most. I mean, I think we can all agree it's one of the most iconic moments in film. Like, that's a big film sequence that everyone in all the film. I wouldn't go that far. Let me ask you a question: If you asked anybody about that scene, everybody knows what it is. Everybody knows the rock. Yes, they do. No, okay, no, I disagree. I I had to. I've had to remind people who Ivan Drago is. No, you haven't. Oh, I have not. That's not true. If I ever run into that, there's no way you've run into that. Because I I, I, I would be the one person who would run into something like no, that. No, I promise you. That's, and granted, that, I think within... Because 4 is one of the most popular of the of the, of the series. I people think. think it's the best one, even though I think 1 is no, the best. But people God, argue no, 4 is the best. best one. No, people argue I, it. No, I, I, I think it's a very iconic scene. Um, do I think it's one of the most iconic scenes in the history of movies? No. Like, I mean, we're... <laughs> I mean, I think we're, so. uh, like think, think about like all those like the movie montages you see like during the Oscars and stuff. They don't include the the. That's a Ivan pretty Drago. famous scene. What have you well, ever I seen think it in a Rocky movie montage? celebrating a lot of his Rocky, victories? Not Rocky, four, not not a like, even Rocky on the steps of the museum. Okay, that's yeah, like, yeah, I'll give you that. Statue. But, but Carl Weathers doesn't have a statue I, of getting punched in the face. <laughs> Why are they gonna do a statue of some guy dying? <laughs> do that. You know what I love about Rocky Four, and then we'll have to move on because Gabe is freaking out. Um, that. Uh, there's a montage over the song No Easy Way Out with Stallone just driving in the car, right? And he's replaying everything that happened. Um, and it's basically, it's everything you just watched for the first 30 minutes of the movie again in a montage. <laughs> I, say, I love that also that he has to, that he goes all the way to Russia to like run in the snow because there's nowhere in America you could go to to train in snow. All right. Next, someone asked Stallone what it was like to act in that car. Because he has to give like twenty minutes of reaction shots of just driving and and looking pained. You guys didn't get Stallone on the junket, did you? No, but I talked no, to him I for wish. Creed for Creed One, and it was such a fascinating interview because this I think Rocky One. Don't correct me if I'm wrong. Was one of the first feature films to use Steadicam, um, the way at least the way it was used in the Interesting. movie. Um, and I remember him walking me through, and um, forgive me if I'm wrong, but it was one of the, it was one of the first. Um, but he was walking me through how they shot uh, Rocky, and there were no, they didn't have any permits. They were just running through Philadelphia. I think, you remember the story? You know the guy who throws Rocky the orange? That was yeah. not, that was not planned. That was like, <laughs> right, right. That's guy just, I love stuff like that. I just yeah, threw yeah. him the orange. I love stuff uh, like that. No budget movie. Like, that no. movie was made on, is an no. independent film. I remember him, him telling me, he was like, as when you film that that staircase scene, like you know, what, what did that mean for you as a you know as, a, as an actor, or whatever? He said initially, I actually was supposed to carry my dog up the stairs, like his personal dog was supposed to be in his arms Aww. as he ran up the <laughs> stairs, and he, and he realized, like I guess after a couple takes, that he couldn't carry him and keep the momentum of the shot. Um, which considering could you imagine? how many people have replicated that right. shot, I feel like 
him not having the dog in his arms just saved so many dogs from having yeah, uncomfortable why would runs. he do that? I don't know. <laughs> Watch the interview. He explained that he was... It could, but could you imagine how different that scene would have been? He wouldn't have put his arms in the air, right? Or he would maybe, I don't know if he would have put the dog down and then, right, right. then done this. I, mean, I have no, It was like a I, naked gun spoof. Right. It seems strange. But <laughs> if you look at my... Nielsen version. If you go to YouTube and just type in Creed interviews Kevin McCarthy or whatever, you'll see him talk about that. That was originally supposed to be his dog in his arm. And he talks ah. a lot about the steady cam use. It's kind of cool. Final opinions on Creed 2. Thumbs up? Four out of five. Yeah, four out of five. All right. I'd say say three and a half out of five. You both recommend that. You both recommend Ralph. You borderline recommend Robin Hood. Not really? Not on a theater. Not in theaters. Not in a theater. Trevor, would you tell people to pay to go to the theaters to see it? Maybe like a cheap matinee Tuesday. All right. It's going to be the action's fun, but... When you realize what the movie is actually remaking it of, then you'll... Then there, you'll but there, there are too many other movies that you need to see before you see Robin. Like, you need to see Green Book. You need to see yeah. uh, Creed before you need to see... Yeah. I agree. I hear you. Fair enough. I agree. Um, what you're saying is, once you've seen everything else, yeah. then <laughs> including pay half price to go see Robin Hood on a Tuesday. That's that's going on the poster. There you go. <laughs> Jake Hamilton, Fox 32. Ah, this week's blend game in honor of the Robin Hood movie that we're sending you to see on Tuesdays in the middle of the day. After is, you've seen everything else, after yes. you have exhausted all other options. Yes, and only at a matinee. If it's, it's before not, it's 5 p.m., please, dear God. I think Jake and I would both agree and go, you know, if someone said, what would you think of Robin Hood, we'd go, <laughs> Put that on the poster. Yeah. <laughs> like, like they start, they start making like motion posters, and like in the top right corner, it's it's literally a, a gif of me going. Seriously, <laughs> my, my quote would be shrug. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but there's a slight positivity. Right? I'm, not, I'm not going. I'm going. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, like, like a burger that's slightly better than you thought it was gonna be. Like, yeah, like like Waterburger, like, right? Yeah, like, yeah, how yeah, dare yeah. you, sir? Yeah, yeah. I will quit oh, this, this podcast real. right now. It's yeah. got really personal. That's unfair. Uh, this week's blend game is hashtag Fox Blend in honor of Jamie Foxx, co-star of Robin Hood. And um, we're picking our favorite Jamie Foxx movies. Um, I'm going to go first. And I felt bad picking this one because... It almost kind of implies that I didn't like a lot of his movies prior to this, but that's not true. Um, but if I'm picking my absolute favorite Jamie Foxx movie, I'm picking Baby Driver. Ooh, that's a, that, that's a good role for him. That was a it, good role for him. Well, and, that's, and, you're, that's, and you're picking based on role. Uh, yes, role. No, I'm picking the favorite overall movie that Jamie Foxx was I, in. I was always under the impression that we were picking based on role because, oh, that's the, interesting. because the movie... Is less of his control. Yeah, but I love his role in it. No, but I'm going to defend it for this reason. Okay. I think you Jamie have to defend Fox, the role. I think Jamie Foxx is better in supporting roles like that than than he is as the lead. Like when I viewed a lot of his lead performances, they were sort of schlocky action movies because he's taken a few of those on. But when he's able to be the most badass person stealing scenes in a pretty strong ensemble. And it's funny that Kevin Spacey's in that movie, too, because that's what Spacey does really well also. Kevin Spacey's not a lead, but when you put Kevin Spacey in an ensemble, he usually steals the show. Right. And Jamie Foxx steals Baby Driver. And Baby Driver, in general, as an entire package, is an incredibly cool movie. And Bats is one of the coolest people in the movie, yeah. right? So it's it's like, it's like triple levels of cool. And he also gets to do, like, he gets to be really cool in the middle of a car chase, 
and he gets to be really intimidating in one of these great backroom scenes where they're plotting a, 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 a heist. He gets to show off a lot of different aspects of it and not just be one note. And I also just love Baby Driver in general as a movie. So I think it plays really well to Jamie Foxx's strengths. I don't think he's ever going to be a Denzel type where he, you know, carries multiple different types of materials. I think when he plays to his strengths, he's really, really good at it. It almost sounds like in Robin Hood, that's what he's doing, right? He's essentially the mentor who sort of steals a lot of scenes. He's good in Robin Hood, actually. But I will... will, I, I, I do. I do have a question though. Um, yeah. I, I rewatched Baby Driver the other day. Um, the ending scene, the black and white scene, is yes. that a dream or is that real? I think it's real. So how long do you think he goes to, to jail for? Because what's interesting about the ending of Baby Driver is all the people that come into the court. My favorite thing about the end of Baby Driver is that is that that woman who comes to the courtroom that he stole the car from. Yeah. And like that, and she explains to the judge that he turned around and said, "I'm sorry." And mm-hmm. threw the purse back at her, right? Um, how, I, I just figured he was going away for a long time. So if it's black and white, are we meant to think it's a dream? Or I, I, I never, honestly, I never once got the impression it was a dream. You thought it was real? Yeah. I thought he served his time, and I thought he got off for good behavior. So why black and white? Like, why not black uh-huh. and white? But black and white, and to me, implies a style change and a, a different setting than the movie takes place in, meaning a dream. But I just thought it was a stylistic way to change the. Okay, all right. I, I am curious. I if anybody, real. if anybody I think, knows, I think Edgar Wright. I know you watch our show. But if you do, let us know. Just send us a message. Yeah, weigh in. Um, Mike Reyes asks, so Ray doesn't count. I mean, I think Ray counts if you want to choose. Yeah, it, yeah, Ray counts. It, so why does yeah, I mean, any movie, any movie he's in, counts? <laughs> yeah, any movie that he's in counts. I just yeah. think he's. I think he's used better in supporting roles. He's great in Ray. I'm not saying yeah, he's, he's unbelievable in Ray. Yeah, he's well, not, he became Ray Charles. It was unreal. Right. So Baby Driver is my choice. Jake, I'm told you get to go next. Uh, I chose, on the opposite end of the spectrum, a starring role for him. Though, arguably, he still had the film stolen away from him by multiple actors. Um, uh, I chose Django. Oh! Uh, I, knew his, I just think his transformation from the beginning of this movie where he's just this quiet beaten broken man on uh you know like literally chained to another man walking through the desert mm. to the man he becomes at the end just it you know just dressed in the finest of clothes cigarette in his mouth on a horse with his wife riding off while the plantation uh, of, of a horrible slave owner burns in the background that's just such an amazing arc and if mm. you were to tell me that there would be a film in which he would begin in that point and end in that point, I would go, I've got to hear the story how he gets from one to the other. And it's such an incredible story. Um, I always sort of kind of felt bad for him in that movie because as great as he is, he gets overshadowed by not one but two people. Christoph um, and Leo? With, yeah, with Christoph and Leo. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, but uh, know, Leo, Leo specifically, like Leo, because playing... that's actually my favorite uh, Leo performance mm-hmm. um, of all Leo's, time. But, mm-hmm. but Leo's Ooh, performance is really that. showy, though. Like, like I, I think the reason why he works well in Django is because it he's the emotional core to the whole film. Um, so he's the one keeping everything emotionally together. So he doesn't really get these like showy moments, right? Like, like DiCaprio mm. does with the with the skull, which is an amazing monologue. Um, and Kristoff, though, is pretty understated in the film, which is I mean, don't forget, I mean, Kristoff won the Oscar for it. Um, yeah. His second Oscar. Uh, yeah, I just, it's just my favorite. You know, I kind of went there. I was, I was bouncing back and forth between Collateral and, uh, and Django, but ultimately I had to end up going with, uh, with Django. 
mm-hmm. um, just because I felt like just like that arc that that he. I just can't shake that I want to see Will Smith's version of Django Unchained. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I trust me. I, I, I mean, especially considering like, didn't I know Tarantino wanted Will Smith? Did he specifically write it with Will Smith in mind? I thought so. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, I, I think that that makes sense. Well, yeah, Will Smith was the was the original choice. Yeah, and then what? I think what happened. Well, what was Will Smith's reasoning for not doing it? Didn't he? It, wasn't there it an wasn't, exact it, reason? It, it, in, in the same way that we're saying that. You know, he sort of gets overtaken by Christoph Waltz and Leo. His his argument was that he didn't feel like Django was actually the lead, and he wanted a lead part. I thought he didn't want to use the N word that often too, or he objected oh, to the use of that. it in the screenplay. Oh, was that was that, was that the reason? I thought so. Well, did I also hear that? Like, what was it about? Um, was it something to do with the Western aspect? Because he already did Wild Wild West. Was like, wasn't oh, there like, God. oh, because yeah, that that's going to be too. his definitive Western? No, 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 no. I remember there being a story about <laughs> genres. He got burned on it. No, 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 I remember there being a story about genres. Like, like, like it was like after He's done Earth, eighteen different alien. No, movies. and I know, but there was something about like the reason he didn't do ID four two is because he just did After Earth or something like that. I don't remember what. There was, right, I remember right. reading something about about being in too many of the same genres. Wouldn't you assume of, that you would trust Tarantino? Like, yeah. you know. If Tarantino says we're going to do a Western, you're like, yeah. all right, all right, what's cool. my part? Yeah, what's my part? I would um, have loved to have seen seen him in. Yeah, in, I know. I, I, it would I have been an amazing that. performance. Yeah. I do think that uh, Jamie Foxx was perfect for it, though. I think he's great. Kevin, what's your pick? I went Django as well. I mean, there's oh. no question. But I think I think the beauty of what Django does and what Quentin does well is he gives you these great revenge moments, right? I mean, you look back at Bastards, right? With um, Eli Roth having that moment with Hitler with the gun, um, but just the idea of what the uh, what they were doing to the Nazis, uh, Kill Bill, great revenge story. I just love Jamie Foxx's character getting his revenge. Like I, I just think that that arc is so earned. I think he's phenomenal in the role. I think that that whole scene in the house, that whole shootout that happens in the house, um, he just played it. Perfectly, I thought. I, I thought. Yeah, I, I don't know, but that, I, I love that movie. Yeah. The Hollywood Reporter. This is Gabe doing research mid-show. Gabe says that Smith said the only way he would have agreed to make the movie was if Django Unchained centered on a love story, not a vengeance story. Yeah. I mean, but isn't it? Isn't it? It's a. It's a vengeance because of love. I thought so. Yeah. But listen. See, to me, Django Unchained at the core is a love story. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing. Think about it this way. True Romance, in my opinion, is the most romantic film ever made. It's one of the most violent movies in the history of movies. But at the end of the day, I think that those two, their arc together, and the romance that they have and the love, that to me is a centerpiece. True Romance is a love story, not a, not a Kevin, violent... Kevin, what is the movie at the beginning of Real Blend that you tried convincing me was a love story? And I got, I was just so taken aback. We've had this conversation before. It's probably True Romance. No, it wasn't that, because I buy that. Terminator? There, there was some <laughs> that movie that you tried to was story. a love story. And I remember thinking that was just the most ridiculous thing. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I was between... Dunkirk? I was, yeah, I was between <laughs> Django and Booty Call. So I, I went with Django <laughs> only because I think that that was just... But in all, in all Anyone series, else almost pick Collateral? I almost picked Collateral. I yeah, actually I, thought I you were going to pick Collateral. But, but anytime I, that you hold screen with Tom Cruise, you'd get credit. Yeah. 
I mean, also, don't forget, he got an Oscar nomination for Collateral the same year he got an Oscar nomination for Ray. He was nominated for both actor and supporting actor. That's crazy. Interesting. Wow. But one one thing I will say that was cool, and I didn't know this, and forgive me if I've already told you guys this before on the show. When we were doing the Robin Hood interviews, I learned, I didn't know this, that the horse that Jamie Foxx rides in Robin Hood is, is is his real horse. That's cool. So, like, apparently, after the Will Smith thing changed, uh, I guess he went to an audition with Quentin Tarantino, and I think he brought his real horse with him. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. But the horse in the film is Jamie Foxx's real horse in real life. That's awesome. Which is really kind of a cool thing. But to me, it is his best performance and best role because at the core of it, it is a love story about getting revenge, getting getting Carrie Washington back, um, I thought emotionally. See that the beauty of his performance is that emotionally he handles the emotions perfectly and the revenge element perfectly. Like it never gets not, neither side it gets too heavy. You always feel what's going on inside of him emotionally, either whether it's in a violent sequence or a uh, love sequence. I don't even want to say this because the show is ending. Um, but I don't like Django. I don't like. Django I know you. Yeah. You've, you've I think it's this. a bad movie. I know. I think yeah, it's yeah. What, what, what's wor- what's worse, Forrest Gump or Django? <laughs> Forrest Gump. That's not oh, even close. Okay, good. All right, good. Yeah, yeah, that's that's okay. Yeah, okay. Just, <laughs> just, you know. Kalina uh, says Django. Uh, Carrie Ellen Case. Oh, where did her answer go? I just had it here for a second. She said Baby Driver. And then Hannah says uh, Ray. Three audience picks yeah. across the board. Still no collateral. I'm really surprised that's collateral didn't get more. I feel like collateral is everyone's second place. Yeah, I probably. Also, I also believe Quentin sense. Tarantino gets the best performances out of any actor that he works with. So. Travolta's best performance of all time, in my opinion. Paul That's Fiction. a good that. Sam debate. Jackson. What, what director pulls out... Well, this is a debate for another day because we're Quentin. wrapping up. What director pulls out the best performances from actors? Quentin. Mm. I mean, Quentin is unbelievable. Think of, Look at Samuel L. Jackson in that film. That's the best thing he's ever done in Pulp Fiction. No question. Django, by the way. Well, but I feel like you're not even stopping to like think about other directors, though. How good is, how good just, is Sam Jackson in Django? That's a great. I th- performance. actually think that's be- Sam Jackson's best performance. I think he's better Man. in Django than he is in Pulp Fiction. No Every- way! Yeah. Yeah. No, that is no. I, I will not that. let you get away with that. I disagree with that. No. I think he's better in Pulp Fiction. No, but he's, be- he's great in both movies. Though. Okay, Pulp okay, maybe, like- okay, maybe maybe that was over. Maybe I uh, sorry. That, uh, sorry, I had a Toy Story like- two moment. I had a Toy Story two. Moment. <laughs> There's not a single <laughs> scene in Django that you can quote him on. I can quote everything from Pulp Fiction. Jules in Pulp Fiction is like a top five performance of all time. And in Django, he's this exaggerated cartoon character. Uh, you're an exaggerated cartoon, cartoon character. <laughs> like most of the about? people in Django. Don't you give me the rap, Gabe. I will say the best Gabe's performance of all day. time in that film, clearly, is Quentin Tarantino's Australian accent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is just <laughs> remarkable. He might be one of the worst actors as a director <laughs> but that I've ever seen. Because <laughs> even I, in, in, uh, in Reservoir Fiction. Dogs, he's terrible. I he's, still, okay in, he's okay in Pulp Fiction. I still cannot believe... That he got away with what he said in Pulp Fiction in that coffee scene. Oh, I, I I'm to this day, <laughs> I have no idea how that has not become a bigger deal. Jake, like, you the world. Think Jake, about you say what that he Cordella? says in that scene. <laughs> it's not. How about we wrap up before we yeah. lose the show? You don't get to uh, say Dunkirk anymore. For next week, uh, we want everybody to reach out on Twitter and. Um, I almost went one direction. I'm a little bit surprised we haven't played this yet, but uh, we're going to be coming off of Creed. We're going to see how Creed 2 does over the Thanksgiving weekend. We're going to play hashtag Stallone Blend. We have not played Stallone. How have we not done Sly? We did Arnold. We should have done Sly the next week. So now we're going to do it next week. Stallone Blend. 
Come on, Jake. Man. Jake's Jake's Jake, Jake just texted me. It's Expendables three. Is that what you were going with? Jake hates Legends Hollywood. No, I don't. Icons. I don't. I don't hate Legends. I just I like I like playing it's the Glenn game easy, with people that have more than like three good movies. No, Stallone's like almost too easy though, right? Do you think? I don't know. Let's Kevin's see. not sold on this game either. Actually, I already. I, I'm gonna have one that's gonna be shocking. Actually, okay, I, good. I, I just thought about it. Yeah, that's okay. enough for me to. That's enough for me to power. It's spy kids. Uh, you can reach out to us via email at realblend at cinemablend.com. You can play along on social media using hashtag Stallone Blend. Um, we will be back at it next week. I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah, but when we get together and figure out when we're going to do, actually, are all three of us in New York next week? Can we actually yeah. do the show live? Can we do the show together? I feel like our schedules are going to be different because of the different days Aquaman's on. Like, I'm doing Aquaman Saturday, Sunday, and you're doing it Thursday, Friday. I am. All right, we'll figure that yeah, out. Yeah, we'll figure and out we'll the go schedule. On to, we'll go on to Twitter, at RealBlend, and share with you guys uh, when we're going to be going live. We are also at Jake's Takes, at Kevin McCarthy TV, and at Sean underscore O'Connell. Do us a favor. Go on the iTunes page uh, if you're downloading us here, and give us a star rating. We're trying to get over 100 by uh, January 1st. Give us a review, and if you leave a new review for us, we will read it at the top of the next show, where we will be uh, here on the Cinema Blend Facebook page. Or, of course, all the places where you can download podcasts uh, via iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and all those different places. Again, we appreciate the star ratings and reviews. Thank you so very much for tuning in to episode 45. 45 is a nice round number, which I love. We are inching closer to number 50. We will have a show next week. Thank you again for tuning in. We will soon have more episodes than America has had presidents. Oh, wow. That is a deep thought. So, until then, we'll talk to you guys next week. Donald, yeah. Dunkirk, yeah. Dunkirk, Dunkirk, yeah. Maryland. How's that? yeah. That's what the, the real one, not not Maryland. Dunkirk, Dunkirk, Maryland. Dunkirk, Maryland. Wrap it up. Bye. All right, bye all. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.